The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Wednesday, May 24th in Hong Kong, Tuesday, May 23rd in New York. And coming up today... U.S. stocks fall as negotiations over raising the debt ceiling remain at an impasse. Apple signs a new multi-billion dollar deal with Broadcom to get 5G radio frequency components for its devices. And Alibaba's cloud division will cut its workforce by 7% as it prepares for a spinoff. China's new ambassador to the U.S. asks for open communication. China opposes U.S. trade agreement. Mixed messages coming from debt ceiling talks seem sticking point is where to place spending caps. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Apple has signed a new multi-year, multi-billion dollar deal with Broadcom to get new components for its devices. These would be 5G radio frequency components. The deal extends the sometimes contentious relationship between two of the world's biggest tech companies. Let's get more on this story from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. Apple says the collaboration will include wireless connectivity components, and those components will be designed and built in several U.S. manufacturing hubs, including Fort Collins, Colorado, where Broadcom has a major facility. Apple says it already helps support more than 1,000 jobs in Fort Collins, and the partnership will enable Broadcom to continue to invest in automation projects. The iPhone maker, as a matter of fact, is spending tens of billions of dollars to develop 5G technology in the U.S., and these investments are all part of that commitment Apple made back in 2021 to invest $430 billion in the U.S. economy over the next five years. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. As I mentioned earlier, WTI crude oil rose in New York to just under $73 a barrel as the market evaluated a warning from Saudi Arabia's top energy official to short sellers. Here's Saudi Energy Minister Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman speaking at the Qatar Economic Forum. The speculators uh, like any think in any market they are there to stay, uh, I keep advising them that they will be ouching. They did ouch in April. That warning, by the way, comes as the market considers or at least indicates that oil short sellers who initially fled in April are making a comeback. Crude traders were surprised last month after OPEC Plus announced production cuts intended to scare off those speculators. Traders now will have their eyes on a meeting between OPEC Plus and its allies. They will review their production policy for the second half of the year, June 3rd and the 4th. 
Well, ByteDance's TikTok appears to be on track now to have all of its U.S. user data hosted and overseen by the American company Oracle. TikTok CEO Shodza Chu said that Oracle has begun a review of his company's source code. And he said that Oracle is now the default destination for the app's user data, U.S. user data. Now, this comes as ByteDance struggles to win over critics. The critics are worried about national security implications of TikTok. Chu said that the video app will continue to make sure that its data is as safe as possible. TikTok is not available in mainland China today. Uh, as we said many times, the Chinese government has actually never asked us for U.S. user data, and we will not provide even if asked. Well, to address security concerns, TikTok said that its U.S. and EU projects will have their user information stored locally by a local company, and it will be overseen by local staff. TikTok also said that it will continue to work with Oracle and the U.S. government on data protection. Alibaba's cloud division is said to be reducing its staff by 7% as the company prepares for a spinoff. We have more from Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann in Hong Kong. The cloud division is said to have begun offering severance pay to employees. Sources say it's either that or workers could be transferred to other parts of the Alibaba group. The moves are intended to streamline the business. Alibaba plans to carve out the cloud unit into a separate company within a year. It would then prepare for an IPO. Some analysts value the cloud business at upwards of $30 billion. Alibaba Cloud is one of the biggest companies that will be created in a six-way split of the parent. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And Alibaba has really struggled here over the past month or so, down around 5% or so. And in this latest session, even with this news, Baba traded lower 3.74% with its U.S. ADRs. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand is expected to raise interest rates for the 12th meeting in a row when it meets today. Bloomberg's Paul Allen has more from Sydney. 18 of 21 economists surveyed by Bloomberg see the RBNZ delivering another 25 basis points rate increase at today's meeting. That would take the cash rate to 5.5%. The other three economists, well, they see an even bigger 50 basis point move. Rebuilding from a severe cyclone earlier this year, combined with record inflows of migrants, is boosting economic activity, even as inflation shows signs of slowing. The RBNZ will also release a new set of forecasts, and Governor Adrian Orr will hold a press conference following today's rate decision. Many economists believe that even after today's anticipated 12th consecutive rate increase, the RBNZ may still not be done tightening yet. Paul Allen, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And the Bank of Korea is set to hold its policy rate for a third straight meeting when it meets this Thursday. That's tomorrow here in Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner. So, Doug, a little bit of frustration may be seeping into market participants uh, with these debt ceiling negotiations. Yes, even so, I think that where you're seeing uh, most of the stress is at, obviously at the shorter end of the curve. Uh, today, we had the two-year uh, picking up around uh, two basis points. We heard from Neil Kashkari again today, the head of the Minneapolis Fed. He was saying that if inflation were to become more entrenched, the Fed could keep rates elevated for a longer period of time. Now, tomorrow here in the U.S., we're going to be getting uh, minutes from the last Fed meeting. Maybe, maybe we'll get some insight into whether or not the pause is going to happen at the June meeting. That seems to be what the market is counting on at this point. 
Yeah, a little interesting that long-term yields were lower while the short-term was up. And I think you've got the one-month, the three-month, the six-month, the one-year, all over 5%. Uh, yet the equity markets have, have you know hung in there. Today, not so much. But we've talked a little bit about if and when the bears might change their stripes. And I was interested to hear Bank of America's Savita Subramanian turned a little bit bullish here. She's talking 4300 now for the S&P. 500. That's not a huge gain. She, she made a couple of interesting points on surveillance, which is right before bedtime for me, but I thought it was kind of interesting. And one point is that big tech doesn't really have to crack from here if their duration risk is shortened. Now, that needs a little unpacking. Perhaps we can get to that. And the second point is that the S&P 500 equal weight can take up the slack going forward and can outperform through the next many months. I found that quite interesting. And I'm wondering when it comes to what's happening in the foreign exchange, when you begin to consider the revenue outlook for American companies, how much of that is predicated on the dollar kind of weakening just a bit and improving uh, the, the fortunes, the potential fortunes of U.S. multinationals? I thought it interesting today that uh, Goldman Sachs was saying, oddly enough, that the dollar has more room to strengthen from here, more so than the market is currently estimating, which kind of surprised me. It is surprising. I, I think the market is a bit split on this, uh, whether or not uh, if the Fed really sticks to higher for longer and inflation stays up there, that probably means uh, you know a firm dollar. But a lot of people think the reverse will happen, and they are betting that uh, if, especially if if recession comes in, maybe yields move down a little bit, and the dollar would ease a little as well. It's uh, it's all there. It's all there for us over the next many months, and thank goodness we have these jobs. It's time now for global news. Well, China's new ambassador to the United States is asking for some cooperation from the White House to build relations. Ed Baxter has global news in the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Yeah, exactly right. Ambassador Xia Feng is uh, citing disputes over technology, spying allegations, and Taiwan. At present, uh, Sino-U.S. relations is facing serious difficulties and challenges. We hope that the United States will work together with China to increase dialogue. So as he, he is here now, his appointment is thought to try and normalize relations going forward. China says it's firmly opposed to the U.S.-Taiwan trade agreement. It's urging the U.S. to honor the one China principle, not to support Taiwan independence. Russian Prime Minister Mikhail Mitsubishi has ticked off a two-day visit to China. This is Moscow seeking to deepen trade ties with Beijing. Russia has said the nation's farmers are ready to significantly increase agricultural exports to China. While the staffs of the two sides in the debt ceiling talks in the U.S. meet today, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is sounding anything but optimistic. His tone today, not optimistic at all, saying things are not even close. People have spent too much money, and the Democrats want to even spend more than we spent last year. That is not going to happen. And he says things are far apart. You, we could still finish this by June 1st in a, in a timeline. Yeah, McCarthy says Democrats are not showing any urgency, though, disputed by White House spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre. Republicans saying uh, that uh, that uh, the White House is not showing any urgency is a ridiculous question, is a ridiculous statement for them to be making. Now, 
On the negotiations, Bloomberg's Michael Shepard says the sticking point seems to be where to set the spending cap. Whether it's 2023 or 2024 levels and uh, how long they decide to keep these caps in place. Those seem to be the two key issues. Once they lock that down, the rest of the deal seems to be falling into place more quickly. Uh, So that could be good news, but Republicans are also questioning how Treasury is figuring out the so-called X date. Congressman Steve Scalise. We'd like to see more transparency on how they come to that date, but Janet Yellen herself actually left the door open to delaying that uh, in her tweets yesterday. The comments that she sent out yesterday implied that it's June 1st or later, giving some openness to the idea that June 1st may not be the so-called X date. So they need transparency. Illinois Attorney General's office has released results of the investigation of sexual abuse at the hands of clerics of the Catholic Church. A.G. Kwani Raoul saying that it comes from roughly 600 interviews with survivors abused between 1950 and 2019. This report reveals the names and detailed information of 451 Catholic clerics and religious brothers who abuse at least 1,997 children across all of the dioceses in the state of Illinois. Raul says because of the statute of limitations, many of the cases will never be prosecuted, but that decades of Catholic leaders have allowed abuses to hide in plain sight and that the culture in that part of the church needs to be exposed. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Brian Curtis here in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat, and our guest is Mary Manning, Global Portfolio Manager at Alfinity Investment Management. So today, Mary, was a risk-off day. Uh, It's a day that many people probably showed a little bit of fear over COVID running through China, uh, the inconsistency of the negotiations on the debt ceiling, and also fears about inflation and the Fed. Were you buying today, or were you part of the gang that was lightening up? Uh, good morning. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Uh, actually, last night we weren't doing anything. Uh, Alfinity is a long-term investor, and um, you know we don't 
invest or divest based on what's happening um, daily on the market. But you do raise a good point that we've had you know, a very good run uh, year to date, particularly in some of the larger cap stocks, the mega cap tech stocks. And yesterday was, was definitely a down day. The other thing which happened yesterday was there's quite a significant sell-off in some of the luxury stocks in Europe, which has been another sector that's been on a tear uh, for you know, 18 months, two years now. So we're definitely watching those developments very closely, uh, but not changing the portfolio um, you know, based on what's happening overnight. So how are you at the moment then? What's your trajectory, if you will? Uh, you know, because you're obviously uh, uh, passive yet active. Yeah, so we're definitely active investors, but just taking a long-term view. So I think the trajectory is at Alfinity, we follow earnings leadership. So that means we are investing in stocks that are in an earnings upgrade cycle or, you know, they're, they're beating and raising every quarter or, or every half. And I think um, what we've seen for maybe the last year and a half is that there has been, uh, companies have been in an earnings downgrade cycle. So you saw the big tech companies, there was pressure on cloud, there was um, pressure in a lot of different aspects of the economy and of, of the market. Um, but then this last quarterly earnings were actually a little bit better than expected. Uh, and so we have made some changes in the portfolio around that earnings outlook. Um, but two areas that I'll call out uh, for the trajectory going forward, one would be big tech. And, um, you know, you saw over the last year, a lot of these companies get into earnings downgrade cycles, whether it's Microsoft because of cloud or Amazon because of consumer. Meta had a lot of different things going on. And those companies have all turned the corner now in an earnings upgrade cycle. So we own more of those companies and more of them than we did um, 12 months ago. And then the second thing which is developing is probably the U.S. consumer. And there was some news on that last night, particularly with Lowe's coming out. You've seen a lot of downgrades from U.S. consumer or maybe not downgrades, but sort of, uh, negative commentary in the in the earnings releases. And that's something that we're watching very closely. Let's talk a little bit about big tech. Uh, many investors obviously last year worried about uh, having long duration assets like that with interest rates as high as they were. And it seemed like coming into this year, they were planning for a pivot on the Fed. We still haven't uh, got that yet, uh, but the, the stocks have run. The comment that I mentioned a few moments ago, if you heard the beginning of our program, we talked about Savita Subramanian from Bank of America, who had been pretty bearish, now turning a little more bullish and making the point that, that big tech uh, doesn't actually have to weaken a lot if their duration risk is short. And I think what she means by that is if you're not such a long duration asset, if you're starting to pay some dividends and you know return, uh, return capital to shareholders and cut costs so that uh, you're able to uh, put forward better returns in the shorter term that they can still hold on to those gains. Do you see that happening in big tech? Yeah, you raise some really interesting points there. I don't necessarily think it's a duration factor, um, but I think there are some things that have changed in big tech, which um, will result in earnings upgrades uh, more in the near or medium term, which is you know sort of consistent with the duration argument. So a few things I'll call out. One is AI. Um, you know, AI, we're maybe at like peak AI in, in the in the media and, and talking about it. But for certain of the big tech stocks, it really is a game changer versus where we were maybe middle of last year. So Microsoft, obviously, with OpenAI and the implications for ChatGPT, that you'll be able to see that in their earnings in 2024. So that is sort of like a, a near and present opportunity, whereas before it was maybe longer term. Uh, similarly for Google, um, Google had its Google I.O. day maybe two weeks ago. And I think the market really changed their view on on what generative AI can do for Google's earnings uh, in the near term. And then you very rightly um, 
um, point out that these big tech companies, for the first time since I can remember, have actually started focusing on costs. And that's really important. Meta is probably the best example there. Uh, the cost cutting the $5.5 billion is, is quite significant. And then also in other companies, you've, you've seen layoffs, which don't make a huge impact on the, on the bottom line, but it shows that these companies are actually focused on costs uh, to the extent that they haven't been before. So I, I do agree with, um, you know, the, the thesis that big tech can continue to, um, to, con to continue to perform well. I will add one other thing is about valuation. So, um, you know, a lot of times when people think about the technology sector and, and duration, uh, you know, those unprofitable tech companies where you have to use some sort of DCF or some sort of very extended valuation metric to justify the stock prices. That is not the case at all for the, you know, the sort of fang yeah. mans or the former fang mans right now. Google was trading at 16 times PE a few weeks ago. Now it's at 20. But these are still very reasonable valuations where you don't need to fiddle with your whack to, to justify the share prices. So, so tell me something here, Mary. So, you know, you look at big tech and, and then you see, are they morphing now into becoming more like utilities in a funny sort of way? Uh, no, I don't think so, because the growth is still there. So generally, you know, conceptually, I would consider something a utility where there's no growth and there's no more opportunities. So they just become sort of dividend. They're highly regulated and they become, uh, you know, dividend payers. And I think we're far away from that sort of characterization for big tech. As yeah. I mentioned before, AI is, is a huge growth driver going forward. They still have high growth and they're still actually, um, you know, finding internal projects. And without internal projects, they're using that money to buy back shares. That That's, uh, you know, better than paying dividends. So I would say no in terms of utility. Okay, we got to finish on this. Uh, we have this Omicron variant, XBB, that's uh, seemingly sweeping through China. And one of your picks is LVMH. LVMH and Hermes and, uh, and others uh, got, got whacked pretty good. Uh, are you concerned about the recovery in China in, say, 40 seconds? Yes, I am. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of momentum baked into what, what's going to happen in China. And, um, you know, particularly in Europe or for portfolio managers in Europe, they are very strongly positioned in those luxury stocks because there's, there's no big tech in Europe. And the China macro data has been quite mixed. So I'm actually going to China this weekend and I'm going to spend uh, next week there getting an on-the-ground view. But for right now, I'm Excellent. probably more concerned than I was three weeks ago. Well, you, you better swing by Hong Kong and visit us then, Mary. Uh, yes, thanks absolutely. Very much. <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Mary Manning from Alfinity Investment Management. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York. Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 106.1 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.